Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, rugby fans. Welcome to episode 66 of the DNVR Rugby Podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. As always, I'm your host. Uh, back again with another good episode for everybody. Looking forward to everyone checking this one out. So uh, we'll start the show off the same way we do every week. That's with the breakdown. If you're a first-time listener to the show, breakdowns where we get into the weekly news. Uh, kind of in the rugby world, start locally, you get bigger, we expand. So uh, we'll go ahead and start with MLR this week. There's kind of a lot of MLR news, so... Uh, we'll go ahead and start the big story on Tuesday. MLR announced their schedule for the 2020 season on Tuesday morning. So things will get rolling on Saturday, March 20th in 2021 when Old Glory DC takes on the NOLA Gold. So uh, that was kind of the big news. Uh, I, if you listened to the show last week, I hinted about it. I saw a lot of people saying it was going to drop on Tuesday, so I was ready for that. Um, but then after that, there was a news conference. They had a Zoom press conference, uh, MLR did, uh, with Commissioner George Killebrew. Elaine Vassie, who is the assistant GM and attack coach for the Dallas Jackals. Uh, Lucas Rumble from the Toronto Arrows and Lance Williams from the Utah Warriors were all on the Zoom. Uh, and it was moderated by Danny Wexelman, who is a sideline reporter. So I jumped on uh, to the call and uh, I observed. So I picked out a few key points uh, I picked up in my notes. And, and I'll go ahead and, and read off some of these to you. Just kind of what I thought about some of the stuff and, and some of the key points that Killebrew touched on as well as other people. So... Uh, the first kind of big thing I, I saw it was in regards to broadcast news. Uh, it sounds like matches will be on CBS Sports and Fox Sports 2, uh, and the final will be on, quote, Big CBS, end quote, as George Kilbrew calls it. Uh, so it's going to be similar to how it was in the 2019 season, if you followed along with that at all. could watch, there was one match a week that was on CBS Sports. It's usually the, the biggest match of the week. It's, it's MLR Sunday night football, uh, per se. So... And then, and then the final that year was Seattle Seawolves versus San Diego Legion in San Diego. That was on big CBS. I think it was on the same time as the U.S. Open, uh, and, it, and it pulled pulled some ratings, so that's cool to see. So that's that's the plan. That sounds like what it's going to be in 2021 if everything goes as planned. Uh, in that same note, it doesn't sound like they've decided whether or not they're going to go back to ESPN Plus yet. Uh, they're still working on the over-the-top platform options. Facebook Live is also a platform that George Kilbrew mentioned in this press conference. And those are both things that, that MLR's done in the past. Uh, I know Season 2 started on ESPN+. Plus, uh, and I like it on ESPN+. Plus. I know that I think MLR has to pay for that that airtime to, you know, to be able to even be viewed on ESPN+. Plus. Um, and, and I don't know what it's like with Facebook Live. But both of those tools have been utilized in the past, and they both worked great for me. Uh and I know a lot of people don't like Facebook Live because not everybody has Facebook, which is fair. And then the same thing with ESPN Plus is, is behind a paywall. Uh, I think it's only five or six bucks, but it is still a paywall. So 
that's uh those are the two of the over the top platforms he he mentioned that in a perfect world they would control all that but it doesn't sound like they're there quite yet and that that's understandable i think uh next kind of kind of big point that he mentioned was he, he talked about how difficult scheduling was and Scheduling is always difficult. If you pay attention to any sports, it's hard to get all the schedule made where it works for everybody, where it's somewhat fair to everybody, um, and especially in rugby with, with a lot of the cold-weather cities. Um, I know in the past, like the Toronto Arrows first season, they had to play their first half of this, their schedule on the road. Uh, then they played their last eight games, I believe it was, at home, something crazy like that. Um, so... Schedules out, like I said, he talked about how, how difficult it was to make that schedule. And then you can imagine on top of all that in a pandemic, it makes it even that much harder. Um, and that kind of leads in, into the next point, which is one of the biggest issues that exists not only in rugby, but the NBA is having that problem too, and baseball will as well, um, is that Canada is under a more intense lockdown than the United States is. And as a result, the Arrows just aren't allowed to play rugby right now. They're not allowed to have matches in Toronto, so... Uh, you know, if you've been watching the NBA, paying attention to the NBA news, all the Toronto Raptors can't even play in Toronto. As of right now, they're playing all their home games in Tampa Bay. Uh, so, you know, the Arrows certainly aren't going to get any type of exemption. Um, and according to George Killebrew and Bill Webb, who's the Toronto Arrows president, um, I saw he was leaving some comments on Facebook. They have a backup plan in place. They, I guess it sounds like they have a couple backup plans in place. They didn't elaborate on what those plans were. Um, but it sounds like they are preparing for a world and in, in where the Toronto Ra or excuse me the Toronto Arrows aren't going to be able to play in Toronto, which would be a major bummer. Um, but that that's just kind of the way it is. That's the reality of the situation. So, and then with that, that kind of leads into the next point uh, that I picked out of this press conference was was how all this relates to COVID, right? Because MLR at the same time as NBA, hockey, the NHL. All those sports shut down right right around the same time. NBA was the was kind of the first to do it, and then the very next day, MLR shut down for a month to to reassess. And looking back, that seems kind of funny that that we only thought this would last for a month, but you don't know what you don't know. And um, so that they 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 kind of fell victim to to all that at the beginning, and and in a way, it's kind of good because they did kind of call it so early, and they've had the luxury of observing this thing for a whole year now. So, and that's one of the things he mentioned is they've been, they've kept an eye on what the NFL is doing, what college football is doing. They've seen how the bubbles have worked. They've seen, you know, baseball, they didn't really have that many problems. Um, and he, and he just talked about how all the decisions they're making are, are airing on the side of safety for the players, staff, fans, all, all that good stuff. Um, he's talked about how MLR has established a COVID task force that meets on a weekly basis to just kind of go over the, the most recent news regarding COVID. Um, they, they talk about all the different, you know, all the things that change in the respective cities, all that stuff. They're just trying to stay on top of it. They're trying to stay up to date as much as they can. Um, and he mentioned that it just changes every day, which we are all familiar with as well, just in our regular lives. You can go to restaurants, you can't go to restaurants, you, you know, all that stuff. You can gather with this many people, you can only have this many people in your office, all that stuff. So it changes on a daily basis, and, and it's hard enough to keep track of, of that stuff in one city, let alone, you know, 13 different different places, you know, where they all have teams. So uh, it sounds like a tough job, and, and he, he mentioned himself there are going to be hiccups that they're not going into the season expecting it to run smooth. There's going to be problems. There's there's going to have to be things rescheduled, I'm sure. 
Um, and, and it doesn't sound like an easy job. It sounds like a, a big task, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how they handle that all. So uh, he got into some of his goals for the upcoming season. Uh, so the first one said was fill stadiums better, which is going to be hard in global pandemic when realistically, like, these you know, teams might not even have fans in the stadiums moving, you know, until we get this vaccine distributed better. And, and I know just based on the Colorado things that I've seen putting out by the governor and stuff, it doesn't sound like, uh, you know, people that don't have uh, are at a high risk, you know, aren't working on the front line. It sounds like all the, the vaccines not going to be readily available to the general public until the summertime. Um, and based on this, that would be like right in the middle of MLR season and even getting down towards the end. So it's hard to imagine a scenario and where stadiums are full, maybe on a limited basis, but we'll see how all that goes. So that's his first goal, which is going to be a tough one to, to meet here in this season. Uh, but the second goal is a good TV product. Uh, third goal is continue to grow the league. He mentioned again, he's mentioned it several different times throughout several different media appearances and articles and whatnot, that there are several teams interested in joining for 2022. I don't know who, who those would be, um, but we'll keep an eye on that, of course. And then the fourth and final goal he mentioned was that entertainment value needs to be appealing to everybody. Um, and I think a lot of teams have, have tried their best to, to make that happen, and it sounds like that's just something that he wants everyone to keep working on. So there's, I know... Just from going to the Raptors games, the Raptors always got stuff going on at halftime for families. You know, there's uh, last year there was a, a bird exhibit type thing um, where you could go check out some some cool birds of prey. And then I've been to a couple other stadiums as well. They're all trying to do that. They're trying to make this as fun for everybody as possible. And then the last kind of big thing I, I picked out on this uh, in this news conference was that everybody that that spoke hinted at a preseason. Uh, and I just am having a hard time wrapping my head around they're going to do how they're going to put that on in a controlled environment. I'm interested to see what teams do. Um, if if you if you played paid attention in sports at all, the NFL canceled their preseason because of COVID, um, and and I, that's arguably like the most controlled environment in, in professional sports that we've seen. Where outside of a bubble scenario, and you're kind of seeing like how that's the NFL is uh, is kind of a mess right now or it was working early on but as the season goes on a 16 week season just like the one MLR is going to play uh, things happen and and the NFL didn't feel comfortable enough to proceed with the preseason so I'm interested to see how MLR is going to do that um, and an interesting thing about MLR compared to the NFL is the NFL's preseason is way more organized um, I know in the past couple years MLR's preseason is, is kind of left up to the individual clubs. It's up to the club if they even want to play a preseason. You know, some clubs like to play only a couple of games. I know some clubs like to play a lot of preseason games, um, and, and they play kind of anybody. It doesn't necessarily have to be another professional outfit. It could be like a really high-level club team. Last year, the Seattle Seawolves played the Tasman Mako from New Zealand. They played the Mitre 10 Cup. Um, but the Raptors, for instance, they kind of did a little differently. They just had a camp, and then they went to Las Vegas. I think if you've been listening to this podcast for as long as it's been around, right when this podcast launched, the Raptors were, were getting set to go down to Las Vegas to play in a uh, couple scrimmages against the Toronto Arrows and Rugby ATL. Um, that was right before their, their round one match against the Houston Sabercats down in Texas. So uh, teams like everybody does their, their own thing for the preseason. And so I'm interested in see how they're going to do that without, you know, in a controlled environment. I don't think 
you can't play like a high level club team that doesn't have testing stuff in place. And and I'm sure this isn't news to the teams. This is just something that everybody hinted at a preseason. They didn't go into into detail, and it's something that I've been kind of wondering the more I've been thinking about it. So I'm like I said. If I'm thinking about it, I know all the teams are thinking about it. They've gone over all this stuff in their head. Um, but it would just be a big shame if the the season got derailed by a, a preseason, you know, match that wasn't wasn't as safe as it could have been. And uh, so I'm interested to see what that's looking like. And, and it very well could be like the NFL where they just – every team does their own individual camp. And then when these COVID protocols come out, um, you know, then, then we can talk about you know, what we like, what we don't like, if it's going to work or whether it's not going to work. But sounds like they're working on it. Sounds like they're everybody's putting their mind to it. Um, so like I said, I'd be interested to see how all that plays out. And, of course, we will keep our eyes on all that moving forward. So that's kind of my notes from, from that MLR news conference. Hopefully that kind of gives you a good insight into what was talked about. There was some other stuff, too. They talked about the incentives of the youth programs for all the different teams and whatnot. But those are kind of the big things that I picked out. So with that, uh, we can go ahead and transition into the second piece of the breakdown. Just another big piece of news I saw out of USA Rugby. Uh, really cool story came out on Wednesday. So I'll go ahead and read you the release. Women's National Team 15s receives $50,000 grant from Mark Cuban Foundation. Um, so the Women's 15s program has been awarded a $50,000 grant from the Mark Cuban Foundation. The grant contributes to the overarching $600,000 goal of the All In campaign to help the world, the United States, prepare at the highest level possible for a podium finish at the Rugby World Cup in 2021. Launched last month, the campaign continues to pick up steam as total giving equals $132,000 to date in 2020 with $58,000 since the launch of All In. Uh, results of the Rugby World Cup draw build even more excitement as the Eagles will face rivals Canada, Europe 1, and Asian one, Asia 1 and Pool B. So obviously those teams haven't been decided yet. A full schedule will be announced in the coming weeks with the World Cup set to begin in September of 2021. Quote, as a huge rugby fan, I'm proud to support the women's national team, said Mark Cuban, confirming his commitment to the sport and desire to see the program succeed. Uh, we are all incredibly grateful for this grant from the Mark Cuban Foundation, said Emily Bidewell, uh, director of women's high performance. It is amazing to know 10 months out from the World Cup that this team has the ability to top our pool. We have some work to do, but I'm confident with the diligent planning and support from generous donors that we will contend for a medal in New Zealand. This grant from the Mark Cuban Foundation brings us that much closer to our preparation funding goals, end quote. As the program has already received a significant amount of high-performance funding, the all-in goal provides a supplement to ensure players and staff have the best possible opportunity to build on the fourth-place finish from Ireland 2017. Uh... The campaign offers numerous ways to contribute, including monetary donations, event hosting, and commercial partnerships. To learn more about the All In campaign, visit allin.usa.rugby. To make a gift to the Women's Eagles, visit usa.rugby backslash allin. So that's a cool story. Uh, for those that don't know, Mark Cuban played rugby at Indiana, so he's always been a big rugby guy. That's cool to see him supporting um, supporting however he can, and especially the women's team. The women's team has a lot of potential. Like they said, finished fourth at the last World Cup. You know, I had a, some of the women's players on it, and they talked about just how good of a camp and how good they're feeling heading into the next one. So they could make a lot of noise moving into 2021. I'm certainly looking forward to it, and I'm sure that $50,000 will, will help them get 
to their goal. So uh, I thought that was a pretty cool piece of news. I wanted to make sure I mentioned that. And then the last part of the breakdown we'll go ahead and move into here is that a uh, friend of the program, Luke White, signed with the Los Angeles Giltinis. They announced last Saturday. And I joke around and I dropped the friend of the program line. But uh, Luke is actually somebody that I would consider a friend, someone I've known for as long as he's been in Glendale. We've kind of come up together through rugby. I know if you listen to things the first, I think I've only had him on once. The episode I had Luke on, we kind of talked about that. We kind of like come up together in different ways. And Luke's always been there. He's always been available to me. He's always made himself available to me to get a quote or, you know, just chat, check in. Um, He's great about doing that. And he's, he's just a super friendly guy. Uh, and so I saw him back in June, I think it was, and, and he told me all about the expansion draft. And sounds like he's at a good place in his life. He's married now, um, him and his wife, Allison, expecting a baby, which is awesome. Uh, so huge congrats to Luke on an exciting few months. Uh, if I'm allowed to, I'm, I want to make the trip out to the Utah Warriors match in April uh, to watch Luke, the Giltinis, and, and a bunch of those former Raptors take on the Warriors. So hopefully COVID lets me do that and I can make the trip out there. But big congrats to Luke. And then, of course, the Raptor tracker has been updated with Luke signing. So you can find all of the former Raptors that have signed to play elsewhere in that article. So make sure you go check that out. And then normally we would end the breakdown with all the rugby that you can watch on TV this weekend or streaming platforms as well. But uh, all the rugby is like not really happening right now. They're all kind of broken up for the holidays. I think the only rugby that is going on is the Curry Cup down in South Africa, and I have not found a way to watch that yet. looks like they're in round three. So the Premiership and the Guinness Pro 14 both return on December 26th, uh, so you have plenty of time to get your holiday shopping done, no rugby getting in your way, and then you can uh, hit the ground one and run and watch in some more matches the day after Christmas. So uh, now we'll go ahead and jump into the interview portion of the show. So I had a good conversation with Dan Stone. Uh, Dan was one of the players that attended the Rugby Town Crossover Academy's November camp. He's probably the most experienced rugby player at the camp, to be honest. I know uh, I went out and observed every training session, and Dan was always the guy that Mark Bullock was pulling out to demonstrate these different drills because, um, you know, Dan has played rugby for, for a while. I uh, played at the University of Notre Dame, came out to Glendale to pursue rugby. He was trying out for a spot. Uh, up in the one of the mountain tournaments, he worked his way back from a knee injury. Unfortunately, before he came out here, he he messed up his knee uh, playing in college, and uh, this was kind of his like first chance to get back to from to some normal rugby. From the sounds of it, Dan talks about his whole story in the interview, so I won't ramble on too much about it. But uh, he's a guy that will be coming back in the spring. So we'll be seeing a lot more of Dan in 2021. Uh, I really enjoyed chatting with him. I hope everyone else enjoys listening to this conversation. So with that, we'll go ahead and kick it to my conversation with Dan Stone of the Rugby Town Crossover Academy. All right, now welcome on Dan Stone of the Rugby Town Crossover Academy. Dan, how's it going? Not too bad, Colton. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for uh, taking the time out of your day to come chat with me for a little bit. Your guy I've been wanting to talk to, I know we just chat a little bit, uh, I think you have a unique perspective on on what kind of happened at the Rugby Town Crossover Academy's first camp a couple weeks ago. But, Dan, the first question we ask everybody that comes on the show is the easiest one is, can you just tell us a little bit about where you're from? Sure. So um, I'm originally from a small town in upstate New York. Uh, it's called Potsdam. Hmm. Um, it's about 20 minutes from the border to Canada. So I'm... Uh, come from a pretty cold place so yeah. this this weather we're having right now feels kind of normal to me that's cool. um yeah 
I know um, it was a hot summer. I've been looking forward to it cooled down a little bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it seems like it's gone on a little <laughs> longer than usual as well. So, Dave, right. how, how'd you get into rugby? So, I started playing rugby um, my sophomore year of college. Um, my The first college that I went to was Stonehill College. Um, it's a small liberal arts school near Boston. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I originally had walked on to the track team there, uh, Division II program. Um, and after a year of participation there um, doing that, I was actually asked um, by the rugby coach at the school if I'd like to give rugby a try. Um, and, and this happened actually at an intramural soccer game. I was just... Um, playing some soccer with uh, some friends of mine and the rugby, t- the rugby team was having their practice on the, on the field uh, just adjacent to where we were playing. Right. And he must've seen me uh, playing soccer and then approached me. Um, originally I told him that I, I couldn't, I was part of the track team and he was like, all right, yeah, that's fair. Uh, Coach Bowen would kill me. Um, so, but, just figured I'd come over and ask because you're a big guy and I think you'd be good at the sport. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that piqued my interest enough. And then after watching some film, I decided to uh, take that step. And I, I left the track team and joined the rugby team. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. So I know you just mentioned you, you ran track and you were playing soccer. Is that the other, is that the only other two sports that you played or did you play other sports growing up? Yeah. Growing up, um, I played soccer. Uh, I played baseball until about ninth grade. Um, at that point I switched to golf. Mm-hmm. Um, I also played basketball as well. Nice. Yeah. So I, I've been wanting to ask people this, and, and especially you since you had played soccer. What do you think playing rugby feels more like? Like if you had of all those sports put together, if you had to pick like a few, because I feel like pe- I feel like people don't understand as much that I feel like it's more like basketball and soccer rather than football. Like if you take out the contact aspect of it. Would yeah, I have. Me? I would have to agree with you there, um, especially with basketball. Um, the the offensive positioning and how you draw defenders and uh put your teammates into open space you know faking passes um to make passes yeah uh you having good footwork and good vision and you know whenever there's a line break you're basically you're basically on a fast break right um you've got three on two three on one, two on one. And, you know, just like in basketball, it's all about finding that space and beating a defender and getting to the bucket. Right. So. I know I was talking to Travis about that. And, and I thought a lot of the people at this rugby town crossover Academy's first camp a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, in addition to having the, the high level football and wrestling experience, uh, a lot of them I've talked to have played basketball and you could kind of tell that like in the, in the space yeah. manipulation drills and even like, with the passing, like the way they handled the ball was a little better than I was anticipating. And I think a lot yeah. of that is from basketball. I saw a lot of yep. people like running switches and, and even like in, in some of those two on one, three on one draw and pass drills are already getting tricky, like behind the back and all that stuff. And I think that just stems from basketball. Yeah, I definitely. Sure I asked you that. Mm-hmm. 
That's cool. So, Dan, how did you get recruited to the camp? So, um, I've been living in Glendale for a little over a year now. Mm -hmm. Um, Originally, after graduating from college, um, I had reached out to uh, Mark Bullock um, uh, through, through my, through my coach at Notre Dame, Justin Hickey, he gave me his contact info, um, about a program that the Raptors were running, um, which was recruiting college players to play for the Vail men's rugby team. Right. And, um, I had to make a player CV with like stats and sports accomplishments and get two letters of reference and I was accepted to come out to the program. Um, unfortunately, right before I was set to leave, um, I was playing in the CRC with my team. Um, and I tore my ACL and meniscus oh. in my right knee. Um, I was fortunate enough that the staff uh, and Mark were uh, still allowed me to, to come out and... Um, you know, watch mm-hmm. from the sidelines and help the team with whatever I can and learn as much as I can, even though I wouldn't be able to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, I've been on the long road to recovery, but I'm, you know, finally back at it. And, you know, having kept in contact with Mark and, you know, kept him updated about my progress and all that, um, I, I guess he must have seen something in me and in my character, at yeah. least. And um, he knew that I was ready to get back into the game. So he figured that this crossover academy would be a good chance for me to showcase what I could do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm very fortunate that um, I was given that chance. That's awesome. And I know you were one of the guys, I think there was a, a few of them. I know Malik Bryant had some rugby experience and Dayton Sheridan yep. had some rugby experience, but I think it might've been just you three, right? That had actually had rugby experience and played uh, rugby. Too, as oh, well. Lenny Latu, excuse me. Yeah. 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 He, he looked like he had some as well. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to talk to him though. So, uh, what was that like? I mean, have you ever, had you ever attended a, a week long camp like this before and not necessarily even the, the crossover aspect, but just like a week long, just rugby camp where that's literally all you're doing is you're waking up, you're practicing, you're watching tape, you're going to practice again, you're watching more tape. Like, had you ever been to a camp like this? I actually have not, um, I mean, the closest thing I would say is, you know, some of the preseason camps I've been to um, at Notre Dame, but even those were were nothing like this. Um, and I've and I've got to say, I really loved it because they really showed what it what it would mean to make this sport, you know, your job. Right. Um, and you know, I had a, I had a great time, but it was it was definitely a new experience for me. Yeah. And Dan, it looked like you were a busy man because they were dragging you out for all the the examples and, and demonstrated yeah. drills. It looked like from from yeah. my perspective. <laughs> so, what did you think of the overall idea of this camp when they first asked you to come? Like, did 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 the fact that it's like a crossover thing where you're you're going to come in and train with all these guys that hadn't played rugby before? Did that kind of pique your interest, or like, what did you think about all that? Um, you know, I really liked. Um the core idea of this camp because um i think i think their idea um at its heart is to to grow 
American rugby, uh, domestic rugby. And, you know, Mark and I don't know if a couple of the other guys have been on this uh, this podcast and talked to you, but yeah, um, I think we've we've made it through the coaching staff yeah. and, and all those guys. So. Yeah, their so like their idea was that you know the United States has these great athletes and they're all being pushed into other sports mm-hmm. and rugby is, I believe, the number two international sport mm-hmm. in the world and. It's it's something that I've wanted to see grow, um, just because since I've become a part of it, yeah. uh, because I love the game so much, and you know, it was it was cool to see the investment by the staff, um, and and taking that step, you know, to really grow the game here, mm-hmm. um, which in the last ten years, I it seems like you know, rugby's made leaps and bounds sure. and I, I'm really excited to see what's like another 10 years from now. Right. And I think one of the unique things that, that, I mean, just in my personal opinion is like where these players that, that, that are coming to this camp are at in their athletic career. And I think that's yeah. one of the smart things that they've done is they've picked them right after college or like, I mean, you would know better than anybody because you were out there tackling and getting tackled by these guys that yeah. could very well like narrowly missed out being on in on the NFL. I yeah. think that is like the one thing that that it's kind of not been explored because you know like it's just the opportunity hasn't been there. So I think that giving them this opportunity at that point in their career is like the most interesting thing and I think will be super beneficial. Um and like you said I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. Yeah, and I I think the guys a lot of the guys realize that um whether or not, you know, an eventual rugby career comes out of this camp. Yeah. Um, rugby is such a complete game and you have to be, you have to be strong. You have to be fast. You have to be smart. You have to have endurance um, and you have to be thinking all the time. And, you know, because of that, whether or not rugby continues for these guys, I think they see it as um, a great learning and development experience and certainly won't hurt them in the long run. Right. Anyway, they, anyway, they do it. Right. And I think even just if we like boil it down and say that, you know, say that, I don't know, a couple of these guys don't make it, don't achieve their goal. They don't play, you know, pro football. They don't do this or they don't do that, but like, they're still yep. interested in the game. And he, and isn't that the whole point of it all? Like it's growing rugby regardless. Like you're, they introduced the sport to some football players and some wrestlers that didn't know about it beforehand. And yep. now they're interested and they like it. And they, if even if they go play for like a local club, right, that's growing the sport of rugby. And that's like the goal. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. I've uh, been thinking about it a lot. So, and I know you already kind of touched on this a little bit, but just kind of what was your overall impression of the camp? Like, I know you said you liked it. I know you talked about it. Uh, being something that kind of like showed everybody what it takes to to treat this sport as a job. But um, what were some of the things like of the camp that kind of stuck out to you? Um, I was, I was impressed first of all, with um, all the guys that came in Um, and, you know, I was impressed with how quickly a lot of them picked it up at least, at least the, the basic ball skills, um, you know, passing and catching. I remember when I first started playing, um, 
I was so unused to the the shape of the rugby ball. I could right. I could uh, I could barely catch the dang thing. Um, but uh, these guys really showed out, uh, you know, the caliber of athletes that they are. Um, secondly, I was I was really impressed by the professionalism of the camp and how it was run by the staff. Um, it's not to say that I wasn't expecting it, but, um, you know, as I said before, I hadn't been a part of something like this before. Right. So, um, I, I thought they did a really good job, you know, making sure we had everything we needed, um, making sure trainings were, you know, well-structured, well-paced, um, and, you know, making sure that all the guys had a lot of fun as well. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome to hear. And I know, Dan, you just kind of talked a little bit about your experiences, like when you first started to play rugby, but how did, how did this, you know, camp compare to some of the other first practices that you've been a part of with, with guys that, you know, are just learning how to play rugby? Um, I, you know, I'd say it's similar, but, um, honestly, this was an entirely different animal. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, coming from my start at a small you know, D2 club team, Mm -hmm. um, where we barely had 20 guys. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and then, you know, progressing to my time at Notre Dame, that was a whole different animal. Um, but this again was an entirely different animal just because of the, just because of the caliber of guys that were at the camp, um, and, and how quickly they progressed and picked it up and their, you know, and how their athletic abilities carried them through um, a lot of the things that were being taught. Right. I know just kind of reflecting back to the the first day uh, when we came out for for the afternoon session and I was standing on the, like kind of behind the camera watching, um, just going through like some basic like hand Mm -hmm. passing drill and like just how fast everything was already. And so you were saying like there, everybody that attended this, this camp was just such like, an elite athlete that it, it was just like, it was a sight to see. And I feel like through all the years of sports that I've been involved of in, in any level, it's coaches are always preaching. Like if you're going to make a mistake, do it at full speed. And this was kind of the first time I'd actually seen that like personified where they might not, they might not throw the prettiest pass. They might not catch the pass. They might have to scoop it up, but they are literally running like as fast as they can. And just even that was kind of the first realization I was like, wow, this could be really cool. I think this is going to be really cool just as it progresses. And um, yeah. you, you being like in the fire, I can imagine you have, you had a unique perspective with all that as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, and these guys, they're all, they're all extremely competitive mm-hmm. and um, you know, that's, that's why they've gotten, that's part of why they've gotten so far in their athletic career so far. Um, and, you know, that competitive nature didn't change in the camp. Everyone wanted to play, everyone wanted to do the drills right everybody wanted to do them um as well as they could right Um, and so there was that level of focus from them which i really like to see as well yeah so i know yeah that's perfect and i know just from talking to you 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 said that you'd accepted the offer so you'll be you'll be back here uh around a lot more i'm sure we'll be seeing you around uh, quite yep. frequently here in a few weeks. So could you just kind of tell us what these, these next few months look like for you and, and just kind of, you know, what you're going to be doing before uh, you report back here in January? Yeah. So uh, 
mostly what my goal is uh, leading into January is to uh, lift and bulk up as much as I can and get back to the uh, the playing weight that I was uh, when I left Notre Dame. Um, you know, after after my surgery, I, I lost a lot of weight and I've I've taken my recovery slow and gradual to make sure that I did it right. Um, and I'm not putting myself in a bad position to get re-injured. But yeah, um, basically just in the gym every day, eating, eating as much as I can. And I'm I'm also doing some I'm also doing some ball skills uh, with Mark and uh, Mose when we have time together as well Perfect. as well. Very nice, Dan. Well, like I said, uh, look forward to seeing you around in a few weeks. Congrats on the offer, and uh, thank you so much for, for the chat. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Colton. All right, I hope everybody enjoyed that conversation with Dan Stone. Um, I know I certainly did. I say it every week. I say this every week as well. <laughs> but uh, thank you to Dan for taking the time out to come chat with me. Uh, the guests make the show. The guests are, are why the show exists, and um, I, I know I like talking to everybody. I like getting to know everybody. I like telling everybody stories and, and giving them a chance to talk about themselves as well. So thank you to Dan. I appreciate it a lot. Uh, with that, we'll go ahead and jump into the non-existent required reading. Still have not found anything that's blowing me away. I'm, I don't know if I'm not looking in the right place or, or what's going on. Maybe it's just because it's a dead period, but no required reading again. Uh, so I'd be like a, I'm like a substitute teacher. I feel like I'm not giving out any homework. So you're welcome. You can thank me later. Send me a message on Twitter or something. But no required reading again this week. Uh, enjoy the break until rugby comes back and then there's more news stories and stuff. So uh, we'll go ahead and close out the show with the loop. So it's kind of a quiet time in rugby like I was just mentioning, and that means it's kind of a quiet time for me as well. So we'll go ahead and push through the month of December like we've done the rest of the year. I'm planning on uh, cranking out a couple more interviews this month. I'm not going to take a break for Christmas or New Year's or anything like that. So you'll have interviews to listen to throughout the holiday break. So if you're off from work, hopefully this is something to, to listen to, keep you entertained for the time being. Um, so I'm going to keep trying my best. So let me know if you want to hear me talk about anything in particular over these next few weeks. We've got kind of open schedules. So um, if people want to throw out suggestions or anything like that, I'm all ears. If you have guest recommendations, um, I can, I'm pretty good about getting in touch with people. So I can, I can try my best to, to kind of get any guests people want. Within reason, of course. Uh, anything else you have on your mind, let me know. Um, if I get enough suggestions, questions, anything, I'll make an episode out of it. I think it could be kind of fun. So uh, remember to follow us on Twitter at DNVR underscore rugby and at Colton Strickler. Uh, be sure to check out all the content at the DNVR.com. Uh, that's my show. So time flies when you're having fun. This was a good episode, I think. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening. I hope you all had a great week. I hope you have a great weekend, and I'll catch you all back here next week.